0: Welcome to box to box football. Hey everybody, welcome to the latest episode of box to box football. It's going to be a little bit of a different one today because like a marauding Matoma run, this is JJ Duke just running the show solo today. Yes. Uh, Despite the fact that we have a five-man rotational system, it's just one of the five that's available. Mike Samsel is going to be wrapping up his three-match band for instigating and should be back next week. Stu, Kyle, and Sean has various commitments today, so you all are just going to be dealing with me. But still, that doesn't mean that we're going to be doing anything different. We're going to be keeping things going, having a bit of fun with it. Still a lot to get to today is... Uh, We're recording this episode on the 31st of August, coming up on the Friday, September the 1st, which means, yes, transfer deadline day is going to be happening. Basically, that's going to be the one where everyone's going to be keeping an eye on Fabrizio Romano and his social media feeds and also trying to just figure things out on who's going to be going where, what fax machines are not going to be working on the day that they desperately need the most. Yes, it's still the year twenty twenty three and we need fax machines to complete these transfers. But it'll be fun to see how that thing's uh, how some of those things are going to be going about. I will touch a little bit on that, at least in some of the key headlines to keep an eye for on that Friday, when we come back on Tuesday, we will discuss all the moves. And who really won the transfer window, who probably had a little bit left to be desired, and much more. So stick with us as we'll get more of our guys back for that. Today, the Champions League draw, well, when you're listening, it would have been Thursday the Champions League draw came out. Uh, We'll touch on the Europa League and Conference League draws in our upcoming shows. But we're going to discuss the Champions League draw today. I'll also look ahead to some of the featured matches in the Premier League for this weekend before the international break comes on. And yeah, just some final thoughts as well from just yours truly for this episode. I've been missing in action a little bit. Work, obviously, for those that are unfamiliar, I work in college athletics, so things are kicking off, but I'm happy to be with you guys for this one. And of course, you can make sure to follow us on all of our social media platforms. We are on X Twitter, however you want to call it at box to box FT ball or box to box football, but. Just take out the two O's in there box to box FT ball and on Instagram at box to box football pod. So, without further ado, let's get into it with the Champions League draw. Yes, this is one of those that it's going to be really fascinating to see how this competition breaks out because this, in theory, could be the last year that we see the traditional format, or at least what we've been come to know in the Champions League with the eight. Groups of four teams. So you're 32 teams, group stage, then around a round of 16 quarterfinal, semifinal, and the final. Could be looking at upwards of 40 teams or even more after next season. It could be an absolute mess for me personally. I know money always speaks the best and the brightest, and that will make things, um, yeah, a, bit, a little bit more chaotic. It's not so much the best and the brightest, but money just speaks volumes. It'll have more teams coming in. But for me, I'm a little bit of a traditionalist. I love this format, and we're going to have a lot of fun through it as the competition will begin the first match day as on September the 19th and 20th, which is the first midweek after the international break. And so we're going to rattle through the groups really quickly. Then I'll give some reaction to how uh, the groups are going to be shaping up. So group A. Bayern Munich, Manchester United, Copenhagen, and Galatasaray, notable out of that, as I'll mention in a moment, but in that group, we will have two of the six teams that got through via the playoffs, uh, Copenhagen and Galatasaray being two of those squads. Group B, you have Sevilla with Arsenal, PSV Eindhoven, and Lenz from France. Uh Napoli headlines group C, along with Real Madrid, Braga, and Union Berlin. Great story. One of the two real fun stories to keep an eye on through this competition. Uh, group D, Benfica, Inter Milan, Red Bull, Salzburg, or for those that like just more of how it's going to be said for the European competition, it's RB Salzburg or Salzburg FC, and then Real Sociedad from Spain. So that's the first four groups. Then Group E, Feyenoord out of the Netherlands, Atletico Madrid, Lazio, and Celtic as they're the lone Scottish entrant into the group stage with Rangers falling in the playoff round. Group G, and I skipped Group F for a reason, but Group G, you have the holders, Manchester City along with RB Leipzig, Red Star Belgrade, and Young Boys from Switzerland, and in Group H, Barcelona. Porto Shakhtar Donetsk and the other debutantes in this tournament Royal Antwerp out of Belgium but the reason why I skipped group F is because I'm gonna talk about it right now and here's that cliche that football fans love everywhere it's the group of death and my goodness it is one for the ages Uh, PSG Borussia Dortmund AC Milan and Well, welcome back to European football, Newcastle United. No, you don't get an easy ride into it. You go right into the deep end. And Newcastle, as I'll speak a little bit later, have had a little bit of an interesting start to their Premier League season. Not really as active as I thought they would be over the transfer market up until this point. Of course, that could very well change between the time of recording and the end of Friday night. But yeah, what's going to be really fascinating to watch is you know, how, especially with PSG, they're trying to rebound a little bit after basically half their team leaving in the market. Uh, Dortmund have been flying to start their forwards in Hilaire, Malin, and Mokoko We've combined for six goals in three competitive matches. And of course, uh, Kyle Franco's ears will perk up when we get to talk about AC Milan throughout the course of the competition, because Christian Pulisic is in europe and he has really hit the ground flying with his new club as milan along with he and olivier giroux that french meaty forehead of his they have combined those two to score five times in a couple of Serie A matches and yeah good luck to the jordies <laughs> not exactly easy and there's no guarantee that you're gonna even play in europa league because of course if you don't finish top two of the third place team will stay in europe They'll go to the Europa League, almost a mini-relegation in its own right. Fourth place, nada. That's it. You, uh, you're you done. All right, so the rest of the groups, as I mentioned before, Group A, we'll have Bayern Munich, uh, Manchester United, FC Copenhagen, and Galatasaray. And, Fans at Old Trafford were kind of thinking that they had a chance to see Harry Kane on a regular basis, but they're going to have to get used to seeing him in a different red jersey that would be the Munich red as opposed to what they've been accustomed to seeing for the last decade or so in the white of Tottenham. Galatasaray is actually kind of the interesting party for me because they dominated Mulda in the playoff, and Mauro Karu came in during the transfer mark has really hit the ground running with this new Turkish club. Scoring a couple of times, assisting uh, in another in the two matches in that home-to-home. And in fact, actually, if you go between, um, and I say this, that he moved, it was a permanent move that he moved there um, after spending a little bit of lone time in the past. But in fact, in all competitions, he scored five times in the last four matches, and he's really looking in good form right now. So that'll be something to keep an eye on. Copenhagen, as I've mentioned, came through out of the playoffs, where Copenhagen were able to get by uh, the entrant from Poland, Rakow Sistochoa. And I definitely got that one wrong, and I'm usually pretty good in pronunciations, as that is part of my job. But sorry, folks, Uh, Copenhagen moving on through uh, with Dennis Vavro scoring what ultimately was the key goal because the Polish side got one back uh, late on, but it wasn't enough to overturn the tie. Group B could be a sneaky, fun one to watch because you've got Sevilla, who have been kings in Europe. The Europa League, winning that competition for seven times since the first time that they won it back in 2006, which is actually a really incredible mark if you truly think about it. The fact that it's one out of every two to three years that they're winning that trophy that's fantastic and remember too they had to win that competition in, in order to get into the champions league because they finished 12th in La Liga last year which was a whopping 22 points off the top four in the Spanish domestic league last year they were in a group with Man City and Dortmund never an easy feat this year could be a little bit more gettable for them and they're going to be looking to do a bit better than their one-win-two-draw true two draw performance from the group stages last year. Of course, Arsenal returned to the Champions League for the first time since the 2016-17 season uh, in that year where they crashed out of the round of 16. And we're going to see how their progression continues to carry over from their rise in domestic play to now in the europe stage under Mikel arteta we'll speak more about arsenal in their current form in just a little bit all right so i mentioned one of the two main stories union berlin who are going to be making their champions league debut as they're in group c along with napoli real madrid and braga out of portugal and union have been i mean first off you don't really hear about them so much with uh Various neighbors, Hertha Berlin, of course, uh, being the headline club in that city, though the past couple of decades in the Bundesliga Union have mostly been playing their trade in the lower divisions until right about the pandemic. But this is their third consecutive year that they've been playing in European football. They qualified for the first ever edition of the conference league in 21, 22. And they're in the Europa league last year. Yeah, last 30 plus seasons. They've been in the lower tiers and now they get the shine in the big stage and they're absolutely blowing away their competition thus far between uh, the two Bundesliga matches that they've played thus far and the one day. Pokal match, they've outscored their opponents by 12 goals to two with Kevin Barron's leading the line um, after he scored an opening day hat trick against FC Mainz. So he is someone to watch out for. And he, if you've not, seen what the atmosphere at an union match is like go find it on youtube it is absolutely out of this world um it's definitely going to be a fun time and a really tough time for uh, the remaining teams in that group c to come in which is napoli real madrid and braga napoli of course um seeing that Victor Ocimen has really hit the ground running the season. Madrid, of course, made the semifinals last year after winning the competition for the 14th time in 2022. And you got Braga in there as well. Group D is probably the most fascinating group uh, with Benfica, Inter Milan, RB Salzburg and Real Sociedad is in of course, came off of a trip to the finals last year, a little bit of a surprising run to get through. It was their first European final total um, since losing to Sevilla in 2020 in the Europa League, but for the fact that they have won a trophy in each of the last three seasons, whether that's the Serie A or the Copa Italia, they're a team that has always been in amongst big matches and playing for something, so it's only a matter of time before they get Um, you know, take that real step forward in Europe. Benfica got to the quarterfinals last season in the Champions League and actually uh, a familiar face for us English and American uh, fans, Angel Di Maria, who was with PSG for a long time, has now moved over to Benfica and he scored twice in the first league matches. Real Sociedad have been struggling out of the gate and that's a place that a lot of teams struggle to get points off of whether domestically or European, but they have lost a couple of big names, including Alexander Sirloff to uh, league rival via Real. And yeah, they've kind of not really got going out of the gate this season. They've drawn all three of their league matches, and some always to watch out for is that Salzburg team as well, Um, usually the best of the best when it comes to the Austrian League sides, and former New York Red Bulls head coach Gerhard Struber has seen his team win five out of five to start the domestic league. So that is Group D. That's the top half, really, of the bracket, where now you get down to Group E, which should be Atletico Madrid's group to dominate. I mean, this is a team that slaps seven past Rio Vallecano on the weekend. Um, I don't see any of the teams in that group. Feyenoord, who could be in and amongst it. Lazio, the same thing. And then there's Celtic, uh, which, again, they're the only Scottish club that's flying the flag in the Champions League. Though we do know that any teams that go over to... Celtic, not always the easiest match in European competition. Will the Broj himself, Brendan Rogers, uh, make some noise again on his return to the club? Uh, Kyogo, who, by the way, he scored 27 goals in the league last season, will be the one that will lead the line for the Scottish outfit. So, yeah, but again, as I said, Atletico Madrid, that is certainly their group to lose. And I would not be surprised that they go a perfect six for six. Group G. It's the holders, Manchester City and RB Leipzig. And this is the matchup that we saw in the round of 16 last year where the champions are, well, the soon-to-be champions put eight past the beleaguered German side in the round of 16, including seven in the second leg alone. And it seems like in every competition that they've entered in this season, it's theirs to lose or theirs to win, however you want to put it. Um, and I don't really see all that much different. Yeah, have Red Star, Belgrade, who domestically are strong, but Europe, they struggle a bit. Always possible to take a point off of, especially in a really tough atmosphere down in Serbia. And then you have young boys out of Switzerland who also came through the qualifying stages to get there. And then the last group that I have yet to mention in at least some depth would be Group H. And that's where you have the other new entrant. And this is one that it's lovely to see where you have, again, we, we've heard about Union Berlin a little bit in their rise recently. But this story with Royal Antwerp just coming out of basically absolute nowhere in the Belgian League to come through. They got through AK Athens 3-1 on aggregate in the playoff had to get through a really raucous atmosphere in the Greek capital city, but they're managed by an actual legend. Uh, Mark Van Bommel, who are, for those that are unfamiliar, uh, was on that 2010 Netherlands squad that reached the world cup final. And he's been someone that's really lifted this club over the last few years. And also for American fans, Sam Vines is a starting defender for that squad and they join the heavy hitters of Barcelona and FC Porto, as well as the Ukrainian side Shakhtar Donetsk. And we know still with the uh, conflict that is going in that country, that it is likely that Donetsk will be playing their matches, their home matches in this tournament in Poland, like we've seen all the other Ukrainian clubs uh, over the last season. So that is my recap of what has been going on or what happened in today's champions league draw again that competition will begin not too too far away on september the 19th through the uh and 20th is the first match day and it'll go actually a little bit longer you know uh probably oh i can tell you just exactly when it's going to carry through uh the match day one is in september then you've got one at the beginning of October, one the end of October. That's match day two and three. Match day four in early November. Match day five is actually well after Thanksgiving. It's almost at the end of November. And then match day six is in the middle of December. So this competition is going to be spread out a little bit this season. And yeah, when uh, the first round of matches are complete on that Friday, you will hear our thoughts of how it all went. All right, so we're moving on now to transfer deadline day, which, again, I'm recording on Thursday, August the 31st. Uh, You're looking ahead towards Friday, September the 1st, and just before midnight when the clock strikes, that is when the deadline day is done, and teams will have to just work with what they have in their rosters up until the new year. And whether you're going to be on social media following Fabrizio Romano's His feed are trying to find a way, again, for us in America, it's a little more easier for those over the pond to go to Sky Sports News as they'll have the in-depth coverage, all their people right outside the training grounds as we love those shots. Uh, That is what you will be seeing. Here are some of the big ones that I'll be keeping an eye on through the rest of tonight, the Thursday night into the Friday. The Mo Salah situation. Is he going to stay? The reports have been saying, yes, he is going to stay at Liverpool, but Al Itihad out of Saudi Arabia have been pushing and prodding to at least be taken seriously by Liverpool as we've been hearing that their bids for Salah have gone as high as 118 million. Uh, We've heard Stu speak about in the past on this show that he is likely to stay through the season, but... Again, every club has their price, and I know if that does go through, Stu on Tuesday will be just absolutely depressed, and we like a happy Stu. I personally want to see Liverpool suffer, but not to that extent. Keep your stars, and speaking of suffering, Manchester United, can they find more depth in the midfield? They've been linked to Moroccan midfielder Sufyan Amrabat. The rumors, though, have been saying that he's been that that's been fizzling out a little bit. Not quite sure if that's going to come to fruition in the last little bit. Sergio Regulon has been the fallback option for United West Ham. Are they done with their business? Are they done with their business of trying to get ex Manchester United players hearing, you know, Harry Maguire. We still don't know what's fully going on in that situation. Jesse Lingard, who is being courted by Saudi teams, but now possibly could be making his return to East London. Brighton are trying to land on Sufati on a loan deal, uh, which would be fascinating for me uh, because then this shows a real sign for Deserby and the rest of the front office there in Brighton that they're taking this European tour seriously this year. And they're trying to just deepen that squad to continue battling for that top six. And Polinia has been getting targeted a little bit as the Fulham attacker has been getting bids from a few different clubs. But again, those are some of the, my personal headlines to be keeping an eye on, and we will recap everything on Tuesday. So again, make sure if you haven't already, follow us on our social medias as I mentioned at the top at Box to Box Football on X or Twitter, and Box to Box Football Pod on Instagram. Also, make sure to subscribe to us. Tell your friends about us so you can subscribe and listen to us on all of your favorite podcast platforms. Give us a five-star rating as well. We know the algorithm can be funny at times. It can be beneficial at times. We don't want funny business. We want beneficial business. So give us a like, give us a five-star review, say good and nice words about us. Maybe not so much me. That's fine. The other four guys, absolutely. And tell your friends as well. All right, now moving to the Premier League, and this is the final round of matches before the early September international window. So here are the matches that we're going to be watching all throughout the weekend. And again, I'll be listing these on USA East Coast time. So that's New York City time. Friday, under the lights. And finally, we get to see Kenilworth Road in action as Luton Town, who had to have one match postponed due to the upgrades needed to get that beautiful and classic old ground up to standards. They're going to be welcoming West Ham. That's going to be a three o'clock kickoff here on the East Coast. Then on Saturday, September the 2nd, the early match at 730 a.m. Sheffield United against Everton. Then these are the 10 a.m. kickoffs for us, the 3 p.m. kickoffs. In England, Brentford hosts Bournemouth, uh, Burnley host Tottenham, Chelsea link up and take on Nottingham Forest, and Man City host Fulham, while Brighton take on Newcastle. That is about the longest drive or one of the longest drives you can make in the competition this season as the Geordies travel to the South Coast. That is a 12.30 p.m. kickoff on Saturday the 2nd. And then rounding out the matches on Sunday the 3rd, you've got two 9 a.m. kickoffs with Crystal Palace hosting Wolves and Liverpool taking on Aston Villa. And then the match to wrap out the weekend and the round before we take a little break is Arsenal against Manchester United. So as we like to do, normally we'd like to hear about five of the ten matches a little bit more in depth and then the best of the rest. I'll give you my top three. Um, though outside of that, the honorable mention will certainly be Luton against West Ham because, for those that are unfamiliar about Kenilworth Road, the fans are separated by the touchline and end line by about six to ten feet, give or take. It is a tough place to go play. Luton were sensational at home during the championship last season. I'm expecting more of the same. West Ham trying to continue on their nice little rise to form in the early start of the season while Luton are still looking to really get their campaign going as they've conceded seven and scored one through a couple of matches. But the first one I'll highlight, Brighton against Newcastle again, Saturday, 12.30 p.m. Eastern time. It is is six versus 13th in the early stages of the season with Brighton stumbling last week after a bit of a hot start. Uh, But yeah, dropping a 3-1 decision to West Ham. I had said that in previous episodes, we needed to see a bit more consistency from West Ham which is great for them, but not so much for the Seagulls as they took the U-turn that no one wanted to see. Meanwhile, Newcastle led early at home to Liverpool last Sunday, but fell absolutely flat on their faces by conceding twice inside the final 10 minutes, highlighted by Darwin Nunez's winner. To be fair to Newcastle, yeah, they've been hit with a couple of tough matches early on the season after they just dismantled Aston Villa to open. The last two matches of away to City and home to Liverpool, it's Manchester City and home to Liverpool, are brutal. At the same time, though, if they want to see themselves as regular top four contenders and even pushing for top three or maybe even going for the title, who knows, they need to start taking points off of those big teams. And this is one of those that's a real tone setter for both clubs. I talked about the fact that Brighton are not quite done in making moves as they try to get their squad a little bit deeper for that Thursday, Sunday, back and forth between Europa League and the Premier League. But if teams make moves, that could be big, but also a drop in form for either team heading into um, that international break could be uh, less than ideal. So that is going to be something that we will watch as we go through that match. The other two matches I'm going to highlight are on Sunday. So you have Liverpool taking on Aston Villa. That's going to be a 9 a.m. kickoff on Sunday. Much, much better for Villa last week as they put Burnley to bed with the Matty Cash Brace and Diaby getting on the score sheet as well, backed up by the fact that they've put drubbings on in three of their last four matches, 4-0 against Everton, and in their Europa Conference League playoff home-and-home against Scottish club Hibernians, um, that was 8-0 after two legs, so comfortable as you like. And I also appreciate that Unai Emery went with a near-full squad for that first matchup in Edinburgh and came away with a five nil victory. So they're going to be coming in in high form and that Anfield atmosphere could be a angry one or a relieved yet tired one, depending on how the Mo Salah situation turns out Liverpool though, have really started off in a pretty good note with a couple of wins and a draw Darwin Nunez. I think for him having his signature moment uh, last week against Newcastle be a great sign for his confidence. Uh, And he could be one of those guys again, all of a sudden, if Salah goes, he could be just thrust right into the spotlight as that out-and-out target striker. Remember, though, that Villa did take a point off Liverpool and Anfield at the end of last season. So, Villa certainly, it's still fresh in their mind that they could even uh, replicate that or even go a little bit better. And then the last match that I have uh, to highlight is the... Final one at Sunday at 1130 Eastern time. That's Arsenal, Manchester United. Now, both of these squads who are projected to finish high in the table from all five of us, but neither team have really gotten off to a great start this season. If we have to be completely candid, yes. Arsenal, they're unbeaten in the start of the season. Win two, draw one. Not really confident in any of those performances. Probably their best performance of the season thus far is the first half against Nottingham Forest before they really just kind of fell away from it and allowed force to get back. Yes, the decisions in that match against Palace were questionable to say the least, but Palace could have had a couple of shouts go their way. And then a draw against Fulham at home, that's one that Fulham will happily take. The way that Arsenal started that match was an absolute shambles, but they needed two goals inside of three minutes from uh, Bakayo Saka and Eddie Nketiah. It wasn't enough as Polina leveled it right before the end of the 90 minutes. So, yeah, I'm going to be curious to see how Arsenal bounce back. Manchester United, same thing. They have been candidly poor to start this season. Uh, Yes, they do have a couple of wins to their name. One that was by the skin of their teeth against Wolves. They got absolutely played off the park at times by Tottenham. And then last weekend, needing to get kind of a kick in the pants to get going. They give up two goals to Nottingham Forest inside the first five minutes of the match, and then all of a sudden, yeah, you got to claw back. And they did the job. You know, they got three goals, and all the big guys in on the score sheet. Erickson in the 17th minute. Casemiro shortly after halftime. Bruno Fernandez with the go-ahead goal the penalty uh the goal from the penalty spot inside the last quarter of an hour and rashford of course was obviously instrumental in that match as well as he assisted the Ericsson goal and fernandez of course had the assist in the casemiro goal as well but yeah just far from impressive thus far for ten hog side again they're still looking to do some business in the market before things come to an end so yeah it'll be interesting to see the momentum for both of these clubs and how they get a get on their business really and can this be the springboard to start their season or is this going to be one of those that it almost could be a step back before the break happens of course both of these teams will have plenty of players that are going to be heading to the international break so yeah you never know are going to be some happy days or going to be some tough days we shall see and speaking of that international break just because there's going to be no domestic matches going on in any of the European leagues does not mean that we're going to be going anywhere. We are going to have all of our regularly scheduled content dropping episodes on Tuesdays and Fridays. We've got some fun stuff planned out for those next few shows. We're going to be covering the Euro qualifiers. We'll even check in on some CONCACAF because why not? If it's concacaf it's all right for me. Uh, so stay tuned as we will drop episodes there. Now, some final thoughts as we usually go around the world and get some perspective. I'm actually going to keep it right back in England because yes, while we do have the Premier League going on, we've got the EFL Cup just got through their second round of matches this past week. Uh, All the just the rest of the EFL leagues and the National League, National League North and South. But little do you all know that this is also a pretty important time to the season as well, because this is the third qualifying round or officially known as the first qualifying round of the 23-24 FA Cup. Yes. Uh it is a competition that is really second to none across the world. It, everybody knows the FA Cup. It's where the magic of knockout competitions are still alive and yeah, we are very much thick in it right now because while always we see at the end of the competition it's a Premier League team with the occasional championship side vying for that trophy there's 732 teams that compete for this championship. And that's 10 tiers of English football when you're ranging all the way from the Premier League to the top to when you go to tier 10 or step six in the non-league system and all your various local leagues. It's still a priority to try and get as far as you want in this competition. And This is something that goes a little bit deeper for me because I'll speak in Um, You know, for all of us, we have our different stories of how we get into this game and how we support this game. But one of those where I was going through a little bit of a rough patch during the pandemic in 2020 when I like so many other people were a bit out of work and a bit down on their luck. And, you know, if someone for me that had kind of the light shown and saying that, Hey, we have a chance for sport to come back and I might have some work in the fall of 2020 that didn't really pan out to anything and things were getting canceled again, left, right, and center. Not sure if basketball, college basketball was going to happen at that time. And then all of a sudden, On just a random midweek night, I see FA Cup trending and I'm like, well, here we go. Here's another competition that is just going to get held and put on pause because this would have been the resurgence of the coronavirus. And all of a sudden I find a team called Hashtag United. And yes, that is a real name of the club. They're owned by Spencer Owen, the legendary YouTube creator in England they were then competing in the ninth tier of the English football pyramid in the Essex senior league. And they actually got themselves onto the BBC is the BBC were showing matches on the iPlayer of, one match of each of the six qual- well, five qualifying rounds because there's even before the first round of qualifying there's a extra preliminary round which is all for the uh step six step five and some step four teams so that's the tiers 10 nine and eight and yeah hashtag united who got through felix stowe and walton on penalties the long second longest ever penalty shootout in the preliminary round winning at 13 to 12 they hosted Soham Town rangers that night on the bbc They advanced on penalties, and they were trending on social media. And lo and behold, a few years later, that's a club that I truly kind of consider as my second club because not only what they're doing with their social media outreach and their work on YouTube, but they've also really developed a great little footprint in their area in Essex. And I wish the boys all the best this weekend as it's one of – the better part of 112 different FA cup first round qualifying ties. You can go basically city by city and you're probably going to have a match. So, and these are also important as well, because wins there means money and money means keeping the lights on means the possibility to bring in players, pay those players amongst so many other things it's important and something that I wish that we in America took a little bit seriously with our Lamar hunt us open cup and having more amateur sides and semi-pro sides into it. That's a rant for another day, but that is my around the world is good luck to all the clubs competing in the first round qualifying of the FA cup. So that's going to do it for us. All the boys will be back on Tuesday, or at least the majority of the boys will be back on Tuesday for the next episode of box to box football Again, JJ Duke signing off. Make sure to follow us on all of our different social media platforms. Subscribe if you haven't. Tell your friends if you haven't. We'd love to see everybody talking about our show. But until next time, goodbye for now.